Hey everyone, this is Jen, and welcome back to the All Things Jen podcast. I'm Jennifer DeAngelis, your host, and I talk about a slew of subjects on this podcast, everything from entrepreneurship to health and fitness and manifestation, all that good stuff. So if you're new here, welcome, and if you're returning listener, what's up? Always great to have you guys. So today I'm going to talk about a health journey that I went on that I expressed via YouTube, but I haven't really talked about on my other platforms, but I thought that the podcasting format could be helpful and really this is just intended to help people who are going through similar issues. I do want to put up some immediate disclaimers. I am not a doctor. If you go through this personal health journey, I would highly, highly recommend that you chat with your physician or naturopath or whomever you seek guidance from. I'm just telling my story, what worked for me. That doesn't mean that this is the only way or that this will work for you. And I think even if you do follow this format, it's really, really good to chat with an expert. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a girl who went through something and was able to overcome the health challenge and that's it. So definitely I get DMs on this from YouTube, like people asking me, do they think it will work for them? Or like, what else could they be doing? And at the end of the day, I I won't dish out individualized health advice, because I feel like that's super problematic. I'm not a doctor, and I don't want to make a situation worse. However, I think this is something that more people than we realize face. And so I did want to share my experience and what happened. So Basically, what happened was I lost my period. And I think a lot of doctors are changing their minds on this. But there was a period of time where women losing their period wasn't looked on as being problematic or a really serious health issue. It was something that they figured eventually would come back and everything would be fine. But for many, many reasons, and I highly encourage you to read the research on that, uh, basically... It is not normal nor a good thing to not have your period. And there's a lot of reasons that you may be experiencing a loss of period or amenorrhea. And it's very important to look into the root cause. And I think a common misconception is that if you're on hormonal birth control and you have a period, you have your normal period. But actually the response that's triggered by hormonal birth control is not the same as your body actually having a period. So what that means is that your body creates a figmented period during the time in which you're taking the pill or whatever version of the hormonal birth control you're on. And so people can actually not be having their period, but also having a period. That wasn't my case. I don't take hormonal birth control. Uh, it's just always made me crazy. I really, I've tried many different brands. It just doesn't work for me. So that's not my individualized case. I just wanted to flag that because I think it's something most people don't know that would be really upsetting to come off, you know, 10 years on birth control, try to conceive and realize that you haven't had your period and you haven't been ovulating, right? That's not great, especially if you want kids. So Anyway, basically what happened was there is something called the female athletes triad. And what that is, is, and this happens to a lot of professional athletes, is that their amount of energy is depleted because of how much working out they're doing and how much physical exertion. And so 
they don't have enough energy surplus, meaning food, to keep all the lights on, I think is the most simple or simplistic way of me explaining it. So if you don't have enough energy availability, enough food, you're essentially working out more than you're taking in. You can be eating a large amount of food, but if you are a marathoner, for instance, or a professional athlete, you might not be getting enough nutrients, even though you're eating well above, let's say like a 2000 calorie diet. So that is basically what happened to me. I was over quarantine. I, you all know, I struggle with anxiety and I use working out as a way to clear my head. And it's really like a big practice of my mental health to be able to work out every single day. And, you know, in quarantine, there really wasn't a whole lot else going on. So I did the army fitness test. I walked a marathon. I was running super long distances, like 18, 20 miles on Sundays, just because I literally had nothing better to do. And although I was eating a lot, you know, I was making cookies and eating pasta, and I wasn't cutting out any food groups, and I was following intuitive eating, which, if you're not familiar, basically means that I eat everything, and I eat it what I want when I want. So I am not on a diet, I don't say no to carbs, you know, like what we think of when we think of evil carbs, like I eat bread and pasta, I eat all those things. Uh, and I eat when I'm hungry and I don't deprive myself. So I thought that I was actually living like my best life, my healthiest life. (laughs) And I was working out a lot, but it wasn't, I don't know. I, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, well, I'm eating a lot and yeah, I'm working out a lot, but I'm, I'm cool because I'm feeling, you know, pretty good. But then some things started to happen. Uh, what I would explain my period going off was, was like a fading. I've never heard it explained like that, but that's how it happened for me. So I would say from the time that I moved to New York up until quarantine, which was like about a year's time, I noticed that my period was fading. So historically I had always had a seven (laughs) So sorry for my male viewers. I don't, or listeners. I don't know that this is particularly interesting for you guys. So Uh, I mean, obviously, stay on if you're interested, but I'm just realizing this might not be the most riveting (laughs) information for my men. But I don't know, maybe your wife or girlfriend or somebody is going through this and or you're a doctor. I don't know. Maybe you think this is interesting. Anyway, I basically, since I moved to New York, I started walking a lot. So I was walking over 10,000 steps a day every single day. And it was easy because I was in a city, I would just walk to like yoga, I would walk to get my groceries, I would walk um, to meet up with friends to go out, etc. So I was always, always walking. And so my energy, the amount of energy exertion that I had, my output basically, was a lot higher than it had been in San Francisco, where I took Ubers a lot of the time because I was living in Soma in San Francisco, but commuting to Berkeley. So I would spend a lot of time in the car. I was in classes a lot. I was sitting down a lot. And so when I went to New York and I was constantly just, if you've ever visited pre-COVID, everyone's running around all the time. It's just part of how life is. So my energy expenditure went up and I was eating about the same amount that I had always been eating, maybe a little bit more. But basically, I wasn't fueling my body as much as I had been without realizing it. So I think I ended up losing a little bit of weight when I moved to New York, but it was nothing noticeable or I wasn't really planning or trying. It was just something I guess was happening. 
So simultaneously, what I noticed with my period was that it went from a super strong seven day period, which I've had my entire life, every, every month around the same time, seven days, I've always been like that. It doesn't matter what weight I'm at or how old I've been. That's just my norm. So when I moved to New York, I noticed interesting things happen. It would go from seven days to six days to five days to four days to three days. And then it would start jumping around. So maybe I'd have it on a Monday and then it would be gone on a Tuesday and then be back on a Wednesday and then be gone on a Thursday and then maybe be kind of there on a Friday. And overall, it was just a lot lighter. Like maybe day one was kind of normal, but the rest of it was super, super light, like maybe even more spotting, I guess. And so initially when it was shortened, shortened, I wasn't worried necessarily. It was kind of like, oh, that's nice. Like I don't have to worry about it as much. But then as it got shorter and shorter, I did start to worry a little bit because I don't know, as a woman who wants children at some point, not having a super strong period was just kind of a weird signal. But again, it wasn't something I was really worried about because at the end of the day, like I think a period is quote unquote normal anywhere between like two and seven days. So I was technically still quote unquote normal, although it wasn't normal for me, which I think that would be like my number one piece of advice for somebody is if something's off for you, even if it's still in like the relative norm, it's probably worth paying attention to. It doesn't have to be your period, it could be any, any health thing. If something is, has been one way your entire life and then suddenly not that way, it's probably worth looking into. But I was busy. I wasn't really thinking about it. Like I said, there was part of me that was like, oh, this is kind of nice. So fast forward to quarantine, like I mentioned, I was working out a ton and eating a good amount, but basically I just wasn't eating enough to support all the activities. So I completely lost my period, which was a huge wake up call for me and super scary to be honest, because yeah, I want to be a mom. That's something that's super important to me. And I just want to make sure that everything in my, my body is running correctly So I did get down to a pretty lean point. And as a note, you don't have to be underweight to lose your period. I think I did go underweight for a period of time. I'm no longer underweight. I'll talk about what I did. But uh, and I'm talking about the BMI, which is their body mass index, which is not a perfect science. In fact, in the 90s, to qualify more people as obese, they actually bumped all the numbers into different categories. So what we see in today's world is actually manufactured for obesity reasons, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, that's a whole nother sidebar conversation. The most important thing I'm trying to say here is like by the medical standard, I was a little underweight. And so I hadn't realized that wasn't something I was aiming towards or anything like that. And I want to be very, very clear that I know that a lot of times with like eating disorders and things like that, it's uh, losing your period can be part of that. And I want to be very clear that like this was not an eating disorder and this was not um, this was not intentional. I genuinely thought that I was eating enough for my body but I wasn't. And so I had been watching Stephanie Buttermore and Abby Sharp. These are big YouTubers. And Stephanie Buttermore went through this whole quote unquote all in process. And she didn't necessarily lose her period, but she had something called extreme hunger where she was hungry all the time. And so she spoke with this doctor, Dr. Rinaldi, who's this renowned doctor in terms of helping women and athletes get their period back. And 
her measured success really goes into reducing exercise and increasing the amount that you're eating, but by a landslide. So it's not like a reverse diet where you might subtly increase your calories over a period of time. It's you go from eating what 15,000, sorry, 1500 to 2000 calories to like 5000 or 6000 or there's no cap, but you want to be eating as much as possible with I think the lower bounds being around 2500 calories and not dipping below that, but there's no upper bounds, meaning you can eat until you're completely satiated. So the difference between what was going on with Stephanie and what was going on with me is I was not struggling with extreme hunger. Extreme hunger can happen oftentimes if you've lost a serious amount of weight and you your body is basically itching to get back to your quote unquote set point. And if set point theory is new to you, the theory is that your body should be within a certain range and it's really, really happy there. If it goes out of that, like, let's say 10 pound range, like hypothetically, let's say you're five, four and your range is 120 to 130. Whenever you go above or below that, your body is going to input mechanisms to make you get back to where it's happy place. It's set point. And there's some theories that suggest that set points can change over time. But by and large, this is something that a lot of dietitians and things like that are super interested in. So the theory goes, if you drop below 120, let's say you hit 115, your body might become ravenously hungry and send lots of hunger cues and might not, not feel satiated because you're outside of that happy bounds, right? And so the hope is that those responses would encourage you as a human to eat more, to get into your set point, which is where your body runs best. Uh, so for me, the extreme hunger didn't kick in. And I think there's some reasons for hunger cues changing. And basically, if you ignore hunger cues, they stop sending them. So if the typical tummy growl doesn't elicit the response of of you eating, then sometimes your hunger cues can kind of get blunted, which I think is super interesting. And there's also lots of different types of hunger cues. Like for me, it's often when I can't make decisions, I'm feeling really frustrated out of nowhere, like hangry, basically, that's one of my biggest cues. Um, but I wasn't feeling super hangry or anything. So again, I thought that I was functioning well, and I was just really happy with my, uh, my relationship with food with intuitive eating, you know, I was eating everything and I was feeling really good about it. Uh, because I had come from a history of dieting and I and I have a podcast on that. But basically, I decided that it was super important for me to get my period back. And so I wanted to approach this all in journey, which is to eat a large surplus of calories. So I did that. I think I was eating around, I don't know, maybe 5000 calories ish a day. And I only did that for a couple months. Um, Stephanie's process was much longer than mine, I think it was over a year's time. And again, she was trying to fit fix her extreme hunger. And what ends up happening, what ended up happening with her was that she gained a bunch of weight, obviously, um, went past her set point. And then once her body was feeling good and secure, her hunger really reduced. And so she went, she lost some weight and ended up back into her prime set point. Uh, so she basically was below it before this process, then she was above it during the process. And then she went into her ideal weight or set point thereafter, and she cured her extreme hunger. 
So I decided I was going to follow something similar. So the first thing I did was I reduced exercise. I didn't cut it out completely. I know Dr. Rinaldi is like a very, very big advocate for eradicating exercise altogether. But for me, my mental health was also something I wanted to balance. And when I don't work out, I don't feel good. But I did go from running, walking marathons and things like that and doing extreme army fitness tests to walking and running pretty much. And if I was going to do weighted exercises or anything like that, I would put a limit of about 20 minutes. So that might seem like a good amount of exercise to some of you all. Um, but just reminding you that where I came from was like working out many hours a day. <laughs> Again, because of quarantine. And I guess my lead up in New York, I was also just walking everywhere. So I had been super, super active. So for me, that was a big reduction. And then I upped the amount of calories that I was eating. So inevitably, I gained some weight, right? And I think that's the biggest question that I received post uh, my YouTube videos has been, you know, how did I feel about that weight gain and people being really scared to gain weight. And so I'm going to reiterate a point that I made on YouTube, which was that, look, do I like my body super lean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Is it hard to look in the mirror and know that you could look a little bit better? Sure. Uh, but I got to the point where I knew that my health was more important than aesthetically my preferred look. Uh, I only ended up gaining, I think, probably five or six pounds. I got myself in, back into a healthy, quote unquote, healthy uh, weight range and my period did come back. Uh, so I want to take a pause to just say, if you're someone who's really, really terrified of gaining weight, I'm not here to diagnose anyone, but if you have a really low body weight and you've lost your period, those are some symptoms of, of eating disorders. And I, again, I'm not here to, I don't know what everyone's individual story is, but I get a lot of DMs of people really, really scared to gain weight. And I think that if that's you, it's super important to talk to a mental health professional. I would look for people who have a haze background, potentially, I think those are some of the more hip uh, dietitians in the space. But um, so you probably want to talk to a dietitian, you want to talk to a therapist, licensed therapist, obviously, maybe a good friend, and then also your doctor. Uh, because I think if you have this stuff going on, and it's coupled with a real fear of gaining weight that there might be more going on than you're uh, aware of at the moment. So if I need to have a big cis moment with you, I would say definitely go talk to the people that can help you. Uh, you definitely want your period back. It's super important. Uh, like I mentioned, not having your period is not okay. And we've been taught that it's okay for some reason. But I don't know if that's, you know, a function of who's kind of at the top of the medical fields, which is often more of a you know, I'm not going to like get a feminist political view here, but basically it's, it's important. You should have your period. And if, if the weight gain is the primary reason you're not going to optimize your health, there might be stuff going on. And so I just want to highly encourage you guys to go talk with somebody. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to diagnose anyone. I don't know everyone's individual stories, but I see those messages come through and it like breaks my heart a little bit because I know that there are people who are probably suffering from some stuff and I know that they're, you know, not optimizing their health for aesthetic reasons. So I hope that I can be a good example to show you guys that it is possible to gain weight and to get your period back. And 
again, I'm not going to sit here and cherry coat. <laughs> what is that? Sugarcoat it. I don't know. Cherry coat. Where, where did that come from? Yeah. Some days I look in the mirror and I prefer what I looked like before, but you know, I was also lucky in the sense that I didn't have to gain a huge amount of weight. The amount of weight that you need to gain might be more or less than me or the same, but there's no way of me knowing or you knowing you're going to have to go through the process. Um, So where is my period today? So now I'm back to like what I would call the fading phase where it is back, but it's not the full seven days. So I haven't been eating as aggressively in a surplus, but I will be more uh, conscientious when I'm creating balanced meals, where in the past, maybe I wouldn't add quinoa, I would only have soup. Now I add quinoa, or maybe I wouldn't have a protein, I would just have some pasta, now I'll add the protein or some cheese on top. I just find little ways to bulk up all of my individual meals. And I find that that's working best for me, that I still continually have my period that I'm keeping on the weight that I gained, I'm not losing anything. And my period is back, but not as strong as I would like it to. So I think inevitably what will happen is that I probably will need to end up gaining a few more pounds to get my full, beautiful seven-day period back. But uh, that's not, you know, I'm not at that part of my journey yet. So I also want to talk about the fact that after you eat in such a surplus, my... my interest in food is like negative at this point. And so... I honestly feel like some days when I go to eat something, I'm like, I am not the least bit interested in what I'm eating, but I know, I know my body needs it and I know that it's important. So I guess this is also a common part of the whole all in process. And this is something that Stephanie talked about actually recently. Uh, I think my video might've even gone up before hers and maybe it was about the same time. So it was funny that we both talked about the same Thing happening, which was like a total um, lack of interest in eating. And apparently that's super common because if you, uh, for her, for Stephanie, she was super fixated on food because she had this extreme hunger. And then once after eating a surplus for a full year, now she's like, oh, like I just sometimes I forget about food. Like I'll leave it in like the air fryer or whatever. And I totally relate to that. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh man, it's been a while. I haven't eaten anything. I should probably eat something. So uh, I think that's also a symptom of the fact that I started 1987 at, and you can find us on 1987 active on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook now begrudgingly did Facebook. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we, are busy, which is awesome. And I'll do a whole nother episode, but I am just busy beyond belief with that company. So um, I think eating in general has just become very uninteresting. So it's kind of like every time I sit down to eat, I'm like, oh, I have to take a break to eat. You know, that's kind of my current mental state. But uh, I'm still working through it. And like I mentioned, what's working for me best right now is not to do such a big surplus, but rather just to bulk up every individual meal so that when I am sitting down and I am eating, instead of just eggs in the morning, I'll do eggs and avocado toast. So I just find little ways to add more food to everything. Um, some of the questions that I got on Instagram were whether or not I believe this was the only way to gain your period back. You know, I'm definitely not well equipped to answer that question. This is what worked for me. This is what Dr. Rinaldi, what kind of the premier person currently on this, uh, on losing your period and how to get it back. Uh, that's her primary method. It's obviously what Stephanie did, one of the 
bigger examples I can think of in current pop culture. So I don't know if a reverse diet or a slower rise in how much you're eating is going to help you. I, from everything I've read and known, my understanding is that the slow and steady increase won't be helpful. But again, I am not a doctor. And so I would highly encourage you guys to speak to somebody who knows more about this. This is just from my personal experience. So anyway, I hope that this really helps you guys, the people who have lost their period or maybe are going through like the fading episodes that I went through and or if you know somebody who's going through this, please encourage them to speak with a physician or listen to this podcast or ideally both. (laughs) And uh, yeah, let's just make sure everyone's getting healthy. And again, if you're someone who's really struggling with the thought of gaining weight, I would highly, highly recommend that you guys go talk to a therapist or a friend or somebody trustworthy to kind of open up about how you're feeling. And I really, really hope that this podcast helps people. You know, this was a very personal podcast for me to put up, but I thought that even if it helps one person get their period back, that it was worth sharing. So thank you guys so much for letting me share this really like private side of my life. And uh, yeah, I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week.